Crack, and you're listening to Molly Huddle, Alicia Montano, and Roisin McGettigan-Dumas. We want to highlight the important topics, inspiring stories, and amazing women in sport. We're three Olympians from two countries, two moms, and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate about in the sports world. And we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports. And this is just how we're keeping track. This week's episode is with Kenyan-American star, Olympic and World Championship medalist for Kenya, and most recently the U.S. Olympic team member in the marathon, Sally Kipiego. We speak to Sally about splitting her time between Eugene as part of Mark Rowland's Oregon Track Club and her lovely farm in Kenya. Her journey to motherhood in 2016 after finishing second at the New York City Marathon, why she's known in her Kenyan neighborhood as Mama Emma, doping as a cultural issue in Kenya, and how she sees herself as not just a mother or athlete or wife, but as a whole person who, as Rose succinctly puts it in this interview, knows how she wants to show up in the world and whose most important roles intersect in many ways. Thanks for keeping track. Welcome back to Keeping Track. I am here with Alicia as we do a little catch up before this week's episode. Alicia, how's it going? What are you doing right now? How's your week been? Oh my goodness. My week has been one that has, it's a lot of, you know, I have a newborn. I'm like, how long do I get to say I have a newborn? (laughs) I'm not (laughs) sleeping anymore. Or when I start sleeping again. Um, A lot has been pretty interesting in our household. A lot of um, just acceptance of our whole situation. Um, I think the beginning was just like kind of jarring and I'm, I'm pretty good at pivoting and just being like, yeah. And I kind of laugh through hard times. But this last, I don't know, maybe like three weeks, I've just expressed to everyone how hard things are. I just, I felt, I feel like because I am like more of a comedic relief type of person, nobody understands that when I do struggle and I've just been like very, hey, it's hard for me right now. Yeah. (laughs) And I just, I just have been doing that and it's been helpful. I feel kind of bad sometimes because I'll just abruptly be like, that's too hard. (laughs) Well, I feel like. There's no rules for this whole pandemic situation as far as like, how do you handle it mentally? And what are we in? What week are we in? Five, six? I can't even count. Shoot. Yeah. Depends on what, when your location went into lockdown mode. And I know you were early. So it's like, whatever, whatever goes and you can fill people in for speaking of real talk. You have small square footage, a newborn, no (laughs) childcare. Three kids. Three kids. Homeschooling. (laughs) We just found out, like, so I just had posted about, like, you know, homeschooling, and somebody commented and was like, hey, you can let that go. Teachers are saying they're going to do catch-ups next fall, because I was just saying, you know, how I was grateful for her teacher providing us some some work um, where we could kind of prepare her for first grade. It just kind of felt funny that you were, like, in kindergarten, and the first semester I don't know what you call it kindergarten you know <laughs> feels kind of like just a joke I don't know just because they're like yay we're friends let's talk a lot and then they kind of just start doing work in the second half of the school year and doing stuff like she was learning a lot of stuff like all oh, their reading I'm sure they were doing like little minuscule stuff but it was just about learning the structure of school I felt like the first half and so I felt like she was just getting started especially they had this break and all these all these breaks February felt like it didn't exist <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, we, we definitely, I, so anyways, back on the point, I felt like this person commented, like, let that go. But then 
the next week I was like, oh, I don't really feel like we need to let that go because her teacher, I mean, because Linnea is a lot like me. I really enjoy learning. I like structure. Um, It might, like people might know me and think I'm like crazy spontaneous. I love spontaneity, but there was like a realm of structure in there that allows me to do that part. Um, And she's the same way. But then this last week, you know, um, her teacher just was like, hey, turn in all the assignments. And we were like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, mister, we were going to do school like three to four times a week, maybe. Um, and that just kind of felt like that was happening this last like week and a half. Well, two weeks now. But the, the reason I'm saying week and a half is because I was like, look, dude, Lou, we're doing school three days a week. Other days we need to just kind of let that flow however we need to let it flow. And it felt better because I was definitely starting to be like, you know. I know. I feel like people are – That's I've heard from – a couple of different people, they're fluctuating between like feeling guilty. They aren't getting more done and mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, it's okay to just kind of pause and just not do anything because the world is in a weird place right now. And it's just this mm-hmm. back and forth of like no motivation and mm-hmm. hyper motivation to do random things because you're stuck at home. So totally. that's how I feel anyway. I'm just kind of like, I'm going to make, I'm going to get the strongest like planter muscle ever in this left foot. And then the next day I'm like laying on the floor, like, I'm not going to move today. <laughs> what is that spot? I never recognized that spot on the ceiling. <laughs> so, I love it. Yes. How, how have you been getting by? You guys have a pool, Molly. I saw a pool. I know. I'm this not complaining. Like, we oh, are lucky. We are lucky. We're in Arizona great. still. So the weather's really good. We have a pool in our yard. So I've been able to do like kind of some pool running type workouts um and we have a home gym so I'm really lucky but yeah I feel like it's people have a hard time like with uncertainty and stillness like myself included and I feel like I'm trying not to make like rash decisions that would affect the rest of my life just because I'm trapped in my house for like two months (laughs) so we did get a yeah but I'm not having like oh anything yet. so I feel like it's a compromise right like put a baby in it Kurt oh never mind what happened oh my god what was I thinking I was in quarantine yeah they're racing in like August I'm like dang it oh yeah and the craziest thing is I feel like during this whole period of time I've missed so much including the podcast with Queen Sally tell me about it Yes, Roshan and I got to interview Sally Kipiego all the way in Kenya. Um, It was a great interview. She told us a little bit about her farm that she has there, and she splits time between Kenya and and Eugene, Oregon. And, um, yeah, she talked about kind of her decision-making between why she decided to do a lot of the marathon buildup in Kenya and um, a lot about her journey with motherhood. Honestly, she's a really great athlete, and we just got really deep into, like, was she able to train much during pregnancy? Um, how was the road coming back after her pregnancy? Um, how she always wanted to be a mother and kind of what that means to her. And uh, yeah, it was a really great conversation with Sally. Um, and she is always a really like wise, interesting person to talk to. I always love talking to her at meets and uh, this is no exception. This was a really good conversation. Oh, you've got all the jealousy coursing through my veins right now. And the crazy thing is just every pregnancy is different. And that goes not just person to person. It goes like just within a person. So, I mean, even with my own three pregnancies, they've all been different. You know, with Linnea, I was able to kind of go all the way through 34 weeks. 
and just be like, woo, this is what I'm doing. And then the second one was like weightlifting and intervals. And then this one was like, took me out. I was like three kids. That's it. We're done. Um, and I, I just think Sally is just such an incredible person overall, her running, her pregnancy, how she handles all of that is not a culmination of just one thing or the other. I think her whole personness is what I want everybody to know. And that includes her, um, her, not only her athleticism, but her journey in motherhood. So I'm excited for everybody to hear this episode. Yes, me too. We'll let it roll. Um, and you know what? I think we need to have repeat episodes with Sally because there's so many areas we could dive into with her. So we might, you might hear from her again. But for now, here is episode 17 with Sally Kipiego. We are here with Sally Kipiego, all the way from Kenya. Um, most of you know Sally, but I'll give a quick rundown. She's a uh, world championship silver medalist, Olympic silver medalist in the 10K, second at the New York City Marathon in 2016, and, of course, a uh, member of our U.S. Olympic marathon team for now 2021 <laughs> Olympics. So, Sally, hi. Thank you for calling in at 8 p.m. from Kenya. How are you doing? How is everything going over there with... Um, coronavirus are you staying at home are you training uh, how's the family all right hi um i am yes i'm in kenya i'm i'm staying and trying to stay at home um the family my family is good everyone is healthy and you know we're grateful for that and uh yeah i'm back training i saw an article that um some runners were arrested for training as a group outside. Is it really strict where you are? And can you tell us where you are? Like what your home, are you in your hometown? Um, where is that? And what is it like there? Okay. So, um, I didn't actually, um, I'm just kind of surprised that it was, uh, somebody got arrested, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, I am actually in the outskirts of Eldred. So I'm about seven miles outside Eldred. Um, I am, uh, we have a home here, Kevin and I, Kevin is my husband, by the way, just get that out of the way. And, um, <laughs> Kevin <laughs> and Chilimo. Say Emma, yes, Kevin Chilimo <laughs> and, and Emma is a little, little girl. Um, and so, um, so we, we have a home here, um, close to Eldred. And so we're staying here whenever we're in Kenya. So, um, for now I'm, I train mostly by myself mostly with Kevin. And, uh, so I haven't had a group to train with. So, um, any arrest, I, I don't know yet, but, uh, I, I think it's allowed to train, but I think the group training is kind of discouraged and really, um, I know a lot of people have already dissolved the camps to be able to go home to their families. Wow. Really? So it's, it's starting to come in there, the coronavirus. Oh yes. Yes. Um, I think we have, about 50, I think here um, they have about 50 confirmed cases um, as of today. Um, I haven't really watched the news the night news, so that might have changed. Um, but the testing, it just kind of started the last two weeks or so, and it's just been slowly going up. But it hasn't um, been that bad, I think, and I'm glad for that. And um, hopefully we can control it. They're trying, the government is really trying to make everyone safe and try to stay home. They've 
um, we've, we don't go to the city anymore and um, everyone is trying to stay home and just try to distance themselves and try to, to try to flatten that curve a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be the thing that the measure that everyone can do and actually can, can t- control it in some way. Yeah, yeah. So um, that started there. Sally, you said you're outside Eldorette. Is that, um, are you in your hometown where you were born or are you guys staying somewhere else in Kenya? So, um, so no. Um, so I was born about maybe another two hours to the north and Kevin was born another an hour 30 to the to the east so <laughs> what kind of middle of somewhere but uh so this is kind of in the middle of you know what we're, we're away from our main you know homes where we were born and raised uh, uh a little is kind of the place that you grow up and you have a little if you can have a house there and we have a house so we kind of live in a farm in the middle of nowhere in a, in a village and <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where you where you grew up or where you are now, where where, where we where we are now. I mean, even where we grew up, it's it's country. We we're both kind of country people, um, not really city people. And even where we we live now, where our house is um is in the middle of like really remote place and um a quiet it's not even a city you wouldn't even say it's a city because it's kind of like in a farm and and we we live um outside the city and uh yeah so we are we're kind of out of the i don't know this so you're not with your family now like your extended family isn't there with you like you're not in that same area then obviously you're not they're not all living around you right now and um babysitting and things like that <laughs> no they're not they're not I have my niece that stays with us I have um I have a wonderful woman that is that is my neighbor but kind of um day schools and so she comes in the morning and goes back to her house in the evening and um and so I kind of and I have friends around so um I have a lot of help we have a lot of help with babysitting and um and just a lot of help around the home and things like that so um and and um like i said we we, we live in a farm we we um we grow our food and we keep our chickens and keep dairy cows and all that good stuff so we are kind of like oh completely you know you guys <laughs> but, <that's> um, <laughs> but we but we have a lot of help and and so even though i don't have we don't have a lot of um, extended family like grandmas and you know granddads and all that good stuff. We have a lot of help, and and the good thing about um, here is 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 that uh, help is is kind of if you needed help, it's it's affordable. It's quite cheap, so you can have a lot of if you just needed to get someone to to do so, to help out with a few things here and there. It's it's quite reasonable. Um, you can easily easily um, get that help. So um, so that's that's a plus. Yeah. yeah, Sally, I know you did a lot of your build up for the U.S. Olympic trials in Kenya, and I saw that part of the reason was so that you could have help raising Emma and help probably just around the house so that you can train and not have to you know like do as much um, cooking and cleaning and stuff or whatever it is you have to do. Um, what's the difference in Kenya versus being back home in um, Oregon with childcare and with like, can you talk a little bit about how you've adjusted to being a mom? Cause I know it wasn't easy. I know you probably had quite a few months um, where it was like trying to figure that out. 
What do you do if she gets sick? What happens to your running? All that stuff. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so it has been, I'm still learning, <laughs> even though she's, you know, closer to three, but um, I'm still learning. We're also learning and, and it's just a learning curve. I don't think you really ever master this. Um, it was it was definitely um, a change, a change for our family, a change for me personally. I kind of had great moments and quite difficult ones, to be honest. Um, I struggled a bit um, to just adapt, to be honest. And and I think it, it was um, when, when you've, spend so much time just thinking about yourself and and concentrating so much on that and you can be on top of it you can completely give yourself 100 percent, and all of a sudden well that's no longer a priority and since i had her the priority has always been around like i will always be a mother before i'm an athlete always and i've always chosen that you know every time the opportunity if i had to choose i'll, I'll always have a mom before before an athlete um and so that's been a difficult balance and it's it's um i thought i would handle it better i even thought that i <laughs> i thought i had an idea i mean i'm, I'm a classic type a personality so mm-hmm. i do research on anything and everything mm-hmm. and so i read all the books and 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 basically listen to all the opinions out there and and I really thought I had an idea and then I became a mama like oh this is so much harder (laughs) (laughs) but but and so um so really to get this sort of short it was it was a difficult beginning for us to adjust and for me to adjust because children are unpredictable and although they thrive with the twins they it takes a minute for you to understand them and they kind of dictate what happened. It's not the other way around. And and to kind of, for, for you to, you have to change your personality if you're not like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I had to adjust and kind of realize that, okay, things are not going to go according to plan. You sometimes just have to, you have to flow with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so I had to adjust. And, um, but, the, the and the reason why we came to, to Kenya, and we've spent more time in Kenya than, than in the U.S. really, is because um, we realized that for, for both, for Kevin and I to be able to train, uh, we needed a lot of help. Mm-hmm. And, and that just, Kenya just made more sense because we had family, and, and, and we also wanted to, Emma, to have a chance to grow up in that culture. Um, because we felt that that was also important, um, but but ultimately Kenya just seemed a little bit easier to be able to to train and to have family around. And if I needed help, I could have help easier than saying taking my taking her to a daycare in America. It just seemed a lot easier um, if we came here. So we've spent more time specifically for that. Um, yeah. That's a key for your kind of return to competitive athletics. So you're like, oh, we need more support in that, like as a mother athlete now, right? You're not just an athlete, yes. mother athlete. That yeah. if, you did, if you didn't recognize, wow, what, we need support here, like you, you felt like it was really hard thing to do. So, yeah. Well. Um, and, and I've mentioned a few times that um, I, my body kind of fell apart and, and different parties, you know, People come back from pregnancy, so they go have a child and come back and their bodies just click back. Some people take a little bit longer. Um, and and people and your body changes, you know, and, and bodies are different. And so um I my my I really struggled. Ball 
like my body was was different like i kind of fell apart so many times um just my body giving up on me you know like i just have problems here and there and i my immunity i i could not get my immunity to to work i was like i haven't changed my diet i haven't done anything different if anything, I've really taken care of myself, but somehow I could get sick every, obviously I wasn't because I got sick so many times, but I would get sick like every three weeks I'll get sick, the flu, I don't know what, just, so I think I struggled because there were so many other pieces that weren't going together, you know, like. That's during the pregnancy or post or, or both? Both. Yeah. I was, I had a really good pregnancy. Can you talk about um, training during pregnancy if you did it all? Because I've heard from some of the other Kenyan athletes that it's frowned upon to run while you're pregnant in Kenya. And I don't know if that's a, if that's true. Um, did you find that true or did were you in the U.S.? How, what did you do? Um, so, yes, it is true that the uh, be running or exercising while pregnant in Kenya is frowned upon. Um, and... Um, and but I wasn't in Kenya. I was in the U.S. the entire time I was pregnant. I, I think I was in Kenya for about a month or two, but that was early on when I was about like maybe four months pregnant. But I spent my entire pregnancy in the U.S. And so I had every intention of running until I was, you know, until I went into labor, <laughs> I, I could lift my feet anymore. But um, but I uh, and then by 16 weeks. But I always had issues when I was pregnant with with exercising. I would cramp up every time I ran. And there was anxiety that came with that. I would run for five miles and I would lay down on the floor and basically raise my feet up for the next two hours after I ran because I was cramping up so much. And I just had much stress that came with that. And I and around 16 weeks, 17 weeks, I thought, you know what, this is not worth it. I am enduring after every run, I'm just going to, you know, we're just going to walk. So I started walking from 17 weeks all through, um, all through my pregnancy. Um, I walked six miles to about eight, 10 miles even a day. Um, so that was my form of exercise. So, um, but I, I had a, a, a good pregnancy and I didn't have any issues other than the fact that I couldn't, I couldn't really run or do anything intensive. Um, if I tried to bike, the same thing would happen. So I, um, we decided as a family with also a doctor that it was probably easier just because of the stress, amount of stress that I was, I was, it was my first time. So I was freaking out, obviously. Maybe there was nothing, but <laughs> I would freak out really every time that happened because I didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to say, how did you adapt to like not being able to run, right? Something you do twice a day, like this is your identity, this is like your Olympic medalist at this point, world medalist. Um, and then being like, I actually can't do that thing anymore. I, I, um, at first I was okay, and then at some point I was like, God, this sucks because, um, if all these women that I pregnant they're just running and exercising and everyone is hitting the gym and everyone just seems to be just fine why why can't I do that so there there was there was times of where I felt oh I felt like I was kind of losing the battle in in that aspect because I felt like my my fellow athletes were doing so well and they were they were managing it and I, I think um, I didn't do enough preparation to prepare myself for just in case I couldn't run. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that because I've never really had issues. I, I figured, you know what, 
I, sh- I should be able to do it. I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm not, I've been to the Olympics. I, I should be able to really do this. <laughs> and, yeah. and then I, I think I was kinda, it kind of threw me off when I, I realized that I couldn't. So I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that, I think, emotionally. So it wasn't so much physical. It was more emotional. I think that's important for people to hear you say, though, Sally, because um, you do hear stories. Everyone's different, and the amount of exercise they can handle during that time of their life is different. And it doesn't matter if you're a world champion or not. It's just it's your body. It's going to react in its own way. So I like that you downgraded to walking because that's what you could do. Like, I think that's the important part. Like, do what you can. Um, So that's. Mm -hmm. Important for people to hear. (laughs) Yeah, and also, though, the expectation, because some people are, you know, there's more media about people who are maybe exercising throughout their pregnancy or they're more visual on social media and things like that. So now it's raised this expectation. And then that was hard to be like, wow, I'm not I'm, I'm falling underneath that or I'm not meeting that expectation versus like there's probably a huge percentage of people here with you not able to do that but they're not on social media saying that <laughs> versus, you know, and this is why uh, I, I, that's why I appreciate, I'm also like Molly, I appreciate you telling this side of it because many women are going to be like, what there, I read in runner's world about X, Y, Z athlete, like training the day they gave birth or something. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're like, not for everybody. Right. And I think that's, yeah, yeah it's yeah. good. To hear and that. I think, yeah. Yeah. And I agree with it. Like, um, and I and I think that should be spoken more. I know it's it's not it maybe not it's not popular, but like I think that's a reality. And I think there's there's probably and I got a few messages of people that have reached out and asked me um, and just say that they you know they appreciate the fact that I shared that I I didn't I didn't run and all that and and um, and also the, the, there's there's a sense of um, if 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 social media or um, the public eye basically is is preach, is basically showing these women that are doing really well, and that's fantastic for oh, women yeah, progression and all that. And it's it's a great thing, but also I think um, um, there's a risk that comes with that because um, if you can achieve that, then you have you you almost feel that um, your pregnancy or your journey is not as important because it's not you know like. And I and I kind of just wanted to say it's as important, you know, if you can't if you're walking or you can't walk, the pregnancy or that journey, that stage in your life is a wonderful stage and it's a it's a fantastic moment in your life and it should be celebrated whether you can run or go to the gym seven days a week until you deliver or you can move two feet until you deliver regardless yeah. it is a wonderful stage in your life and you and everyone should be should feel that it is a, a wonderful stage in their lives and it should be celebrated regardless yeah and that's the focus right that the pregnancy is the focus at that point it's not about you know prs and stuff like that that's for a later date <laughs> that the pregnancy is the focus. so whatever you can do right to get to that uh, finish line yeah yeah, your body is kind of doing something else. It's not just working out. So, like, yeah. to be understood, if it can't handle the workload you were doing when you were, uh, like, second in the world at the 10K. So, yeah, good point. <laughs> but the funny thing on that story, though, um, Sally, is that you actually raced the, the marathon and were very successful yes. when you were actually in the early stages of your pregnancy. Can so you have that? It's, like, high in... You know, yin yang. 
Yeah, can you tell That's us? Ironic. This, this, I find that to be so ironic, you know, like that's just ironic because I seriously, I, I ran the, the, the New York Marathon and finished second um, <laughs> and uh, while pregnant and then some w few weeks down the road, I couldn't run. I couldn't run. I couldn't joke for five miles. I think that's really ironic. <laughs> but, wow. yeah. How were you feeling those days? Were you just kind of like, not noticing many symptoms or were you just so focused on the marathon it did you didn't realize or how did that um how did that go because I was right I was only a few seconds behind you Sally that day I, <laughs> know. I, I had no excuse <laughs> <laughs> oh I was too early anyway I don't think yeah. it should have mattered <laughs> yeah but um no but like um so um the backstory is um, not too much, but like, um, so Kevin and I always knew that we wanted to have a child after, you know, try to have a child after the the, the, the Olympics, 2016 Olympics. And so I didn't, I failed to make the Olympic team. And so we're like, um, all right, that's not an option now. We'll run the New York Marathon. And so I, I was in Eugene and then I went to Flagstaff for about two, almost three months. I was in Flagstaff. Kevin joined me, um, I think, the last two two months of that training. And um, and so the plan always was to try to have a kid right after the Olympic, after, after the, the, new, the New York Marathon. Um, and so I was really fit and really lean. The leanest I've been as a grown in my in my adult life, and so I we I thought, oh, this is really not way. This is not gonna happen. So we can get a head start, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I we didn't we didn't really expect that we were gonna get pregnant right away, just because. I was in the thick of training. It was a month out of, you know, a month or maybe six weeks before the the the, the marathon. And so I thought, eh, this is not going to happen. This, you know, I'm just, I'm lean, I'm training. I'm so everyone is tired and all that good stuff. But, you know, we can get ahead of that. Why not? And then, so um, going into the marathon, there was maybe a possibility, but I couldn't. I talked to my friend and she told me, do not test, do not even try to do that. Because if, if, if you find out that you are pregnant, um, you will freak out and you might, you might not run the best race of the, on the day. So just forget about it. You are probably not pregnant. Just, um, <laughs> she was probably saving me. Oh, yes, definitely. Of all the things to be going through your mind before a marathon, it's like you have enough to think about. <laughs> you had that going on. And, too. So, and, and that was such a, it was such a, we, we, just, we, we, we just didn't think that was even a possibility. So, um, and then, and then, so um, I just ran the marathon really thinking, oh, you know what, it's probably going to take a few more months and, and that's going to happen. And then um, a few weeks later, we're like, oh, all right then, okay. <laughs> So did you did you wait a few weeks before you tested or did you kind of like think, OK, now I actually like how did you did you notice like your menstrual cycle was off? Did you kind of attribute it to like high mileage and tapering and all of the stressors and training? No, I, I um No, I have been uh, TMI, but I've been um, regular. So I, I have never had issues with my menstrual cycle. I've always been regular. I've always from, you know, when I was a teenager. So I've never had issues with that. So um, 
I've never really had issues with that. So, so I didn't think nothing was off other than the fact that I felt that I was really lean. And I, I thought mm, that probably might not happen just because of that. But it wasn't that um, I've had issues that I've missed my period or anything like that. So, and I waited a little bit more of maybe another week after New York to test just, you know, to make sure I didn't want to give myself unnecessary panic. <laughs> what was it like to find out and know you just raced the marathon and everything? Oh, it was fantastic. It was, it was, it was a wonderful, you know, sometimes life is unpredictable, but when, when things line up really well, it's just, you know. Yeah, And then when you've been running, like, you just run until you get, I don't know if this happens to other athletes or even, not even athletes, even walking people. You sometimes just work to a point where you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I, I can't, we're done. This is it. And, and I felt like for me, uh, going into New York, I was, I was, I was at that. I was, you know, like, I was like, you know what, we're not, we're not going to another marathon. I could win New York tomorrow and I'm not going to another marathon. We're going to have a baby. Mm. I, I want to have a And so... Yeah, I think I was just—I think I was just mentally just done. I just needed to stop a little bit and and kind of rest. I, f- I felt like I was just—I was done mentally. I couldn't psych myself for another morning run, to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. No, and I feel like that's the kind of common experience where running is like so important, and then all of a sudden it was like this switch, like the baby became the focus. Like I want that more than I want this. You know, Does, was that what you're kind of talking about? that you switch to like, I want a baby more than I want another marathon or. Yeah, I think it was just, and I think that just comes with stages in life. I yeah. think for, for us, we just, you just go and nothing else tops whatever you're doing. Like running is number one priority. And then one day you just wake up or maybe it's not one day where like several weeks or months, you just start feeling, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time. <laughs> this, this all came after so you had a lot of success um, racing for Kenya. You know, you had two silver medals. You had PRs. Um, do you think that contributed to sort of feeling a little bit satisfied enough to step away? And are you refreshed now that you're back? I think I was just. Um, I think it was just. A, I've, I've, I've always wanted to be a mom. Like I've always wanted to be a mom. So it wasn't, it was just a matter of when is, you know, when, and, and I, I and I, and I, I've, I've mentioned this before, but I, I wanted to be emotionally ready for it. And I felt that if I had gone and had a baby and not ever come back again, I would have been fine to walk away. Mm-hmm. It might have been harder to just walk away, but, but emotionally I, I was willing to do that. And I, mm-hmm. And I wanted to get to that space where I was okay with it. That sometimes, and I have friends that have had children and really can never come back. And mm-hmm. so I knew that was a possibility that you could have a child and not come back. Mm-hmm. And and I was emotionally ready for that because I've always wanted to be a mom. And I've and I felt like that was a greater, um, I guess, um, life goal than than you know running more mm-hmm. um and if it came together that would be fantastic but yeah. if it meant that being a mom would mean giving up my running I was more than willing to do that yeah you're kind of at peace with the risk that this could be the end of your running yeah yep right right and can you talk about um 
coming from a big family and what your childhood was like, um, did that influence you wanting to become a mom? And I know it influenced you wanting to become a nurse. I've heard that story. If you want to tell that story as well. Um, I think um, coming from family, I don't, I don't, think, I don't know if that has, I don't know where, where the, 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 you know, the need, the, the, the one to be, to be a mom. I don't, I don't really know um, when, where that came from. Maybe it's, I'm a big family, but I grew up, I'm the baby of seven kids. Um, I'm the ba- so I'm, I'm a, I have three other sisters and myself and I have three brothers. And so um, I grew up in a big family, just a happy childhood and, and uh, a very dif- a different world, as you can imagine, um, from the world that we live in in the U.S. now and, and all that stuff. So, uh, but I think um, having all the siblings that are families, um, it's just, Sisters would always ask me, when are you going to have a kid? You know, because I was, you know, I'm getting, I'm approaching my mid-30s and I, there's no kid. And that's just, that's just really in Kenya. <laughs> I'm really late. So, so, um, <laughs> so I think um, people that have had children tend to always ask people that don't have children when they're going to have kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it probably comes from a really good place. But I think I've, I've felt that that was... Uh, I my siblings raised their own families, and I have a lot of And it kind of almost felt like that was just the path, you know, like you just, it's just part of the, part of the journey, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So you waiting till you're in the 30s is kind of like you doing your own thing for a bit, but then still having that kind of drive yourself. Like you weren't, like you were like, had to follow the norms of your culture or anything like that, but yet it was still something you really wanted yourself. Oh. Well, I, 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 and I, and I, um, I think we're all different. We, we all aspire and desire different things. And, 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 um, and I think something like being a mom or things like get married for example and you know the people that don't want to get married and um i think that comes from somewhere deep down you can't really i don't think that's something that you get pushed to do mm-hmm. <laughs> i think you either really want to do something or you really want to get married or you don't or you want to have a kid or you don't i don't think you can be pushed into oh you know you gotta have a kid and you're like okay i'm gonna have a kid. no yeah <laughs> i think those things are things that really originate from you as a, as a person something that you identify in yourself that you can do and you want to do um and i don't think any wish or um encouragement <laughs> will really get the job done i think those things are life life um changing things i think those are changes that the individual needs to make yeah. um and you're committing. That's a lifelong decision. You can't just mm-hmm. you become a mom. You can't just be like, you know what? I'm done. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 mind. I'm out. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, you don't retire from that. Um, <laughs> Not the mood today. Not the mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I'll take the weekend off. Can't. <laughs> um, Can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the one thing that's so funny <laughs> but, 
So Sally, um, can we shift a little bit to how you're back in Kenya now as a successful runner and you've really, um, I read that you built a school back in your hometown and you're a really uplifting part of your community. Um, can you talk about how maybe things are different as a woman in Kenya now with your success than they were when you were growing up and how much do you have to do with the school? How is the school going? Um, and also great job on that. That's amazing. <laughs> tell us all. Tell us yeah. all. So congrats. <laughs> all right. So um, in, back in 20, I think 2013, I partnered with um, Shoe for Africa. It's a, it's a charity organization based in New York. And basically the idea is that the organization trying to help um, local communities in Kenya to build schools and um, and build schools mostly. And then last, last two years or so, they build a, host, a children's hospital in Eldery. So um, I partnered with them and, and um, they, they wanted to see where I'd go to school. And so I took them to, the, to that school and uh, we had a conversation with them and decided that we're going to uh, remodel all the classes. And so we kind of um take, took down all the old classes that were mud um they were built on you know uh with mud and on all that and 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 then they kind of put a new a brand new uh school with class eight classrooms which is you know grade one through eight and some offices some some class uh, some uh, teachers quarters and all that so they did a, a fantastic job and led by toby tanza who was, who was the head of um Shoe for Africa, and we officially opened the school, and, and it's called uh, Sally Kipiego Shoe for Africa Primary School. And uh, we have about um, around 600 children going to the school, and it's a public school, so you don't really pay for any tuition, you just go to school. And um, and that that was such a, it was a good thing for the community because then they got, they had good permanent classrooms that children can go to school and, and learn and, and get education while basically staying in, in a decent in a decent 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 uh, classroom. So um so that is that is that about the school. Um uh growing up I think now this because of what has happened over the years, I remember growing up um as a as a young girl we didn't really have that many um success the the culture itself by itself is is somewhat um, male dominated so to speak it's it's better now because women have gone to school but back in the day um, all the jobs the most most people that went to school were male and um, those are the ones that went to school and got an education and probably got uh, blue collar jobs and and jobs and things like that and the women stayed home makers and didn't really earn a living. Um, they were expected to stay home and, and raise their families and and that was pretty much it. Um, but now it's different. Um, women go to school, boys and girls go to school, they both they can go to high school and they can go to college and they can get they can apply for jobs and and, and so women are working um, just as as much as men are. So the opportunities have changed. Um, have increased and, and that has changed the, the, the culture itself because um, working with now um, uh, women with a paycheck is, is, is not it's not um, something that is rare that is, is quite common now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah 
we interviewed Alphine um, last, was a couple of weeks ago at this point, Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was kind of telling us a little bit more about um, her area of Kenya. Are you guys from different areas or? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And she was kind of saying that, you know, still like the men will inherit the land or anything if there's any land in families and things like that. And she was, you know, telling us a little bit more as well about some of her sisters that were married young and things. But is it different areas? You feel like there's different um, that have caught up with things or not caught up with things, but have progressed more um, in terms of Um, working and things versus other areas that are more kind of um, not doing that? um, no, I think um, the similarities are quite common um, with the fact that the men still inherit the land, and uh, and, and but it has changed. It has mm-hmm. changed. But um, if you go back about 10, 15 years ago, that was really common almost everywhere, uh, most most parts of Kenya. But it has changed now, and obviously the other parts that are more advanced like the, the the people that live closer to the cities though those are more uh the opportunities the kids went to school a little bit earlier than the people in, in the village mm-hmm. but but yeah. yeah but but that is definitely still a struggle we're yeah. not we're not at the same i don't think the men and the women are uh, at the same level yet no but we're going we're getting there yeah i think the culture is is it's gonna get there at some point yeah yeah I look at, I think a lot of countries are, you know, still kind of feeling, figuring that a part of it out, the equality. And I think America's probably leading the way there, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's still got work to do itself. So it's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sally, who did you look up to when you were younger um, as a role model? Like, was there a woman in who, like, I know Alphine mentioned Tegla LaRoupe. Was there a woman who made a really successful running career that inspired you and came back and helped build hospitals or schools or um, showed you to do that? Or who inspired you to to do this and gave you confidence to know that you could make it as a runner? Um, funny enough, uh, um, Tegla Rube was, was actually my idol growing up. There was a newspaper when I was growing up, there was a newspaper on my brother's wall of Tegla, uh, I don't know what she won, but she won something. And <laughs> she's crossing the finish line. And I just remember thinking, wow, women can do great things. So she was definitely probably my first role model. But um, but I think coming to the US kind of changed my mentality because I realized that there were so many, you don't really realize the things that you, about, the things that are lacking, um, until you go to another place. And I think coming to the U.S. and realizing that there were opportunities that were available for other women, for women in other places over the world and realizing that um, that we were kind of, like Kenya was still behind and where I grew up was still behind in so many, in so many ways. And so I think just the fact that I, I came to the U.S. and realized that there are ways that you can change the community and through education, you can really go to really, you can go really high in life and, and, and achieve a lot. And I realized that um, the difference between myself and other friends of mine that grew up in the same village and had the same background, the only difference between myself and them 
is an opportunity. I just had an opportunity to go to the US and they didn't and our lives are so different now. And so I realized that if they, if they can get an education, if they can get a way out, then yeah. maybe they, 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 they're exposed to those opportunities and maybe that will change their lives and kind of break the cycle of that dependency. That, that really bothered me, the dependency really mm-hmm. bothered me because it's a cultural thing. And, and um, I felt like when, when you don't have an education as a woman, you, you, don't, you lose a lot of options. You don't really get choices. You don't really get a lot of say, even in your home, because someone else is kind of taking care of you and you can't really say, you can't really, and the women are not given, they're not allowed, even brilliant women are not allowed to voice their own opinions because, because, because they don't really, they don't, I guess, bring anything to the table, so to speak. Of course they do because mm-hmm. they care for the children yeah, and all that, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. Of view, yeah, but they, they're viewed as, they, they can't really bring anything to the table because the women, are, the men are bringing the paycheck, they're the ones feeding the family. And so the women are kind of oppressed without even being oppressed, really. And that dependency, because I have all the sisters that are married and they don't have um, actual, they're homemakers, but they don't have um, an official job title, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so they 100% depend on their husbands. And that always bothered me growing up because I felt like, they were brilliant. They had brilliant minds and ideas, but they could never do anything about it because they didn't really have a voice. Yeah. Um, because they had the education. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're dis- disempowered to do mm-hmm. anything um, outside of you know their their home or their homemaking. Yeah. And um, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, they were probably um um probably the, the, they probably really shaped the way I approached my life as, as a woman, my sisters, because um, I always wanted more um, for myself. I wanted that independence, uh, even though that was really not the case at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I, I always, even if you go back to, to my village, they'll always tell you that girl was going to play. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's funny, but I, I always just want, I wanted more for myself. I felt that um, I, I could get a little bit more than what was on the table. And and so I think they really made me want to pursue. I wanted independence more than anything. I wanted to have my own job. I wanted to get a paycheck. I felt that I wanted to have that independence. That way I don't, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I was I was a bit of a stubborn child. <laughs> Did, they stubborn that? Did they encourage that? Did they encourage that? Yeah, I'm curious. I, like- I'm just natural that way. So <laughs> I, I, I tend to. I tend to be the one that breaks the rules, to be honest. So um, I, I was never really contented with, with that, with whatever was on the table. I, I really wanted more, and I kind of really, I, I just can settle, and I, I, I and I rarely settle. So, yeah, so, yeah. so, but did they? Did you yeah. ever notice that they? Did they support that in you? Like, did they like, yeah, go for it, like you know, go and be different to us, or were they like, no, like come back, like you know, be more like us, or? Did you ever feel? No, that? I think that, I think they, I think they really I think they were more afraid of how bold my goals were. Okay. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think I I think they were kind of like okay, all right. Sense. I don't know where she's going with this, but she seems to be going with it. 
Yeah. And was, was um, running new they, to them too, Sally? <laughs> did, did any of them run or were you the only one? I, I was the only one. I, th I think they have the talent, but I don't think they, they ever, because they never got, um, they never went past uh, primary school. So they never went to high school. They got married around 17 and 16. Mm -hmm. So they never had the, the chance. I think if you don't go really to high school, you don't get the chance to, to participate in sports because that's where you get discovered, so to mm -hmm. speak. And yeah. so I think no one really got a chance. They didn't get a chance to be discovered. But I think they had as much talent as I, I do um, and my, my brothers do. And so um, I think they would have been great runners. They just they just missed the time, I guess. The, yeah, the, the they didn't have the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, like you're saying. Yeah. Do you, are they excited yeah. for your success? Like when you win an Olympic medal and you win the European, uh, sorry, not European, sorry, world championship medal. Now that you're on the US team for the Olympics, like what do you, what do your family think of that success? I think they're really proud. I think they're really proud. I think um, I, I they can't. I they're really proud, you know. And and um, and we. I th I think when you understand the background and you understand how far someone has gone, and and they know that, you know, the 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 stretch of that journey from the very beginning, and you you realize that this is a person that has come from really humble backgrounds and have done incredible things and, you know, continues to do a thing and um, be able to achieve things, to achieve things and goals. I think they're really proud and, and they let me know that. And um, yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, um, I think they, they, you know, they're happy for me for sure. Um, but they're even more happier for me now that I have a child. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, going back to, to them being so proud, um, I feel like I have to note like how hard it is to make the Kenyan distance teams. And Sally, you've done both. You made the Olympic and many world championship teams for Kenya up until um, you got citizenship in 2016, was it? And now you've made the U.S. Olympic team in the marathon. So like, I, I feel like if you can make that team, you can medal, you know, that's how good you have to be. So it must put you into kind of like a stardom role to make the Kenyan Olympic team. Is that, <laughs> is that true? Are you a, are you a celeb? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, I am just, um, no, I am, I am, uh, it's funny, but the, the, I, when we got, got to this new place, because it is a new place, we just moved in a year ago, and the, the people here don't even know my, they really, they just know that I am the runner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, the wife to the runner, and uh, and uh, and they and they called me Mama Emma, which is which is basically um, what most women are called in Kenya. They you you're called by your 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 firstborn's name, mm -hmm. and so I am Mama Emma. No one, if you said I am looking for Sally's house, no one would know where you where you you want to go. But wow. if you say you're going to Mama Emma's house, then people will bring you to, to my door. So, <laughs> so people don't know, they know that I run, but they don't, I don't think they really know how, you know, what, what I, I don't think they know, if, you know, like at what extent that I do this, but, um, but my, my, you know, I have neighbors that are friends now that know that I made the US team and, you know, um, but, but for, for the majority of, of people, they really, yeah, <laughs> they really, they don't no paparazzi outside your door <laughs> yeah no I, i'm just a woman that runs in the morning 
that's mm-hmm. like but that's kind of how molly would you relate to that in some way right that you are a big star in the running world in america and yet you can like walk around providence or arizona and um, well, I mean, why are you running so much? (laughs) I'm not like Sally level good, but yes, my neighbors are just like, I don't know. My my neighbors are just like, I don't know why she's always running, but she is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like um, Molly, you definitely like a lot of people know you and, you know, I think you're a bigger stop. For sure, like, oh yeah, yeah. you you'll probably get road. Yeah, I I could see that. <laughs> Maybe in running expos, Molly, right? But <laughs> not even there. People are like, can you? They'll be like, can you get me a size eight? I'm like, I don't work here. <laughs> but when you, I think both you guys can go by first name basis. Isn't that like a good kind of barometer of how uh, famous you guys are, Molly and Sally and? everyone knows who I'm talking about (laughs) well what is it like Sally what is the running um sort of world like in Kenya is it it must feel like a small world the elite running community and um can you talk a little bit about like what you think about it and what you think could be done better with certain areas like um I know we hear a lot about like doping news in Kenya and how it could like tarnish the it, it kind of tarnishes like the reputation when a country starts to get those kind of things going on. And um, even when you go home, people would probably ask questions, you know, because you're in the epicenter of that kind of thing. So what what is the running world like in that regard? And um, what do you think could be done to kind of make it a little bit better? All right. So, so running is huge in Kenya, by the way. It's like, it's like being in the NFL in the mm-hmm. U.S. Like that's the only thing I really like, really like, um, running is the highest um, probably rated um, sport in Kenya. It's the most popular. Um, everybody knows the runners, you know. Most people know the runners um, and 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 the community adores their runners. But like you said, um, with the doping, I think um, there's a really terrible culture right now in Kenya that um, the young, I think the older generation were, were a bit um, didn't have, they were not as cynical as the younger generation. I meet people that are young that don't believe that you can run clean. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just sipped into the culture that people started believing that for you to run clean, for you to run well, you have to dope. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's, and it just, it's a mentality that kind of, when you speak to young people, the older generation, like, that I that I ran that I run with um, have a completely different mentality. You can walk hard and and be disciplined, and you can perform at the highest level without ever cheating. But I think uh, with a younger with a younger uh, kids, they really think that it's really difficult to, to run well without taking drugs. Which I think that is probably the worst um, aspect to, to all the doping. Um, and I think if 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 Kenya wanted to do something with it, that would help the, the culture itself is to educate young uh, people to realize that you can achieve great things in running without ever cheating. And so um, I find that to be the most troubling thing in Kenya. And even even um, if you ask, and I'm, I'm sure even when I tell people I train in Oregon and I live in Oregon, they they, they automatically question. They're like, 
oh wow, you tra- you train in Oregon, and it's because because everybody because they don't really realize that there are three different groups in Oregon. Mm-hmm. That there's the mm-hmm. truck club, and there's the Oregon truck club, and then there's the Oregon what what was Oregon project, mm-hmm. and and so they just all assume that if you're coming from Oregon, you're coming from Oregon project. Yeah, because it's confusing. Everybody, yeah, yeah, and that's that's what that does, though. It it kind of muddies the waters of the whole area. And so everybody, everybody, like because they know I train in Oregon, a lot of people that are not really familiar with with the different groups just assume that I train with Salazar, which has been a problem for me because (laughs) because obviously I don't want to be associated with that because of what has come out of that place. So I think um, educating, like I said, in Kenya, a lot of young people believe that um, for you to run well, you have to cheat. And I think what they can do to improve that is to try to create a culture that people believe in hard work and that that they are clean athletes performing really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think you need to uphold your clean athletes as examples, even if they aren't able to win silver medals. Maybe they're only fifth at Worlds or something like that. But it's like you need to say you can do. I mean, I feel like that's one of the most important messages. Like maybe you want to be better than me, but like I guarantee you can do this clean. So, like that's what yes. you say as a clean athlete and yeah yeah that's a message I like to impart too it's like you can, just, you can just see how hard that is though to um I see totally feel where you guys are coming from with that but at the same time you can see you know how much more tension people get with the drug cheating or getting a medal and things like that you it's just really hard for people to say hey no this is a better news story and um, if young people especially are public right to understand wait there there's three groups for Nike in Oregon or not everyone can <laughs> is joking like you know it's like it's very hard for the you know the consumer the public to really understand the nuances with it behind that and mm-hmm. um, you know that's that belief now that oh you must have to cheat in order to be successful that does sound yeah. so damaging um Sally and with you with that that's just such a sad um kind of inherent for people to believe that that that's that's true that's so sad right if we think of it um for the next generations but we can we can we can definitely work i think the people that are closer to us uh our people are the testimonies you know because they can attest to that they can say oh i know sally and you know i i think she's clean you know you obviously yeah but like but, but like if you have enough role models that are doing good and yeah. and for the yeah. young people to realize that you can be good uh, yeah. without ever cheating I think that is the greatest thing we can do as athletes and yeah. and I think we need to go back to really um really defining redefining what greatness is because I yeah. I think this notion mm-hmm. that being number one is great that is not necessarily great they mm-hmm. I I have gone to races where I was you know, I didn't even finish in top 10, but that was probably one of my greatest runs, you know? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. races that I, I ran and I was top three and I'm like, oh, what a disappointment. So mm-hmm. I think <laughs> we, we need to redefine what, what greatness is. I think if your ability, the people that just don't have the ability to be, to win a gold medal at the Olympics, mm-hmm. but making the Olympic 
team is like such a great achievement for them. And I think those things should be celebrated. We should be able to identify that and try to encourage people that just be great whatever you do, even for, for younger kids and, and these young runners or, or, or kids in general, that mm-hmm. um, you don't have to be number one to be great. Just do your best and give 100%. And we value that. If we value that in our kids and we value that in the younger generation and even the older generation, um, and just realize that we value the hard work. If someone has really worked hard, that we should celebrate that, we should applaud that, and we should acknowledge that. That yeah. they, didn't, they didn't win, but they've worked really hard, and we, we've seen them work hard, and we've seen them be diligent. We've seen them fail over and over, and then somehow they've survived and come to the through and I think those are things those are qualities that should be celebrated more I think those are things we should identify more and not necessarily just run to the gold medal or run to the top of the podium you know because I think in the process of running to the podium we we lose sight of really what is sports we're trying to encourage good qualities and we're trying to encourage um, really good quality, so to speak, in 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 us as humans in general so I think um, I think we should encourage more of that. Yeah, with absolutely. You. <laughs> we've we've talked about that a couple of times on this podcast. You know that there's this like winning at all costs attitude that has kind of contributed to this culture of cheating and, um, yeah, cheating, <laughs> and just like has to be the winner <laughs> in order to be successful. And and how do we like exactly what you're saying, Sally? How do we broaden that definition? Um. And look at all the brilliant things that sports brings an individual or a community. Um, and such as what you're talking about, the resilience, the character building, everything. Um, totally with you there. So love that message, Sally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And then, of course, there's a, it, it's always a complex issue, right, when it comes to uh, cheating in societies. And a lot of it's you know, that mentality needs to be battled. And then also just some underlying corruption and problems with testing. And it, it's all pieces to that puzzle. But I think that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. And for you guys to be so successful and to kind of champion that, I think that says a lot because you guys have, you guys have been to the top and you're still saying, you know, it's more than my successes right this there's more like I you feel great or you're proud of yourself for more than maybe your American records or your American teams or your medals you know that you're broad you define yourselves by more than those titles no yeah yep yep good job ladies good job um so so Sally, here at our podcast, um, we really like to ask this question of what part of your story as Sally Kipiego, um, runner, wife, mother, everything, <laughs> what part do you think doesn't get told enough or what would you like to shed more light on? Because that's what we like to do here at Keeping Track. Oh, interesting. Although I know we <laughs> talked about it a lot already. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I feel like it's interesting because I don't, I don't even know if I can divide those aspects because I feel like those things intertwine so much, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know if, if a line is, oh, it's interesting. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's, that's a, um, I think the, 
I don't know because <laughs> I don't know if this is this is not. I know I'm saying a lot of I don't know because no. um, <laughs> time. because um, because the the mother is so much linked to um, the mother is so much linked to the to the wife and so much linked to the athlete. The qualities that I try to accomplish as an athlete are almost the same qualities that I'm trying to accomplish and trying to master and trying to learn as a mom. And I'm also trying to do that as a wife. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, if I'm trying to be a good mom, then I'm trying to be diligent. I'm going, I'm trying to be disciplined. I'm trying to be considerate. I'm trying to be um, forgiving. I'm trying to be patient. I'm trying to, um, to be loving all those things I want to do that to my family I want to do that to my friends I want to do that to my teammates I still want to be disciplined I want to be diligent I want to be faithful to my running so it's it's kind of really difficult for me to divide mm-hmm. those things it's, it's really difficult like honest I can't even um no I don't know. It's the maybe, maybe that is the whole, that is the story. Sally Capiego is a whole integrated person. <laughs> yeah. I'm the, I am a very um, I'm a storyteller. Well, I don't know if I'm a storyteller, but I I I I'm a chatter. I I I talk and I can talk forever. And so, um, but I am such a I am such a old soul, and I'm a deep deep. Um, I go deep quite a bit. So. Um, I will spend hours upon hours just indulging into really intense, very thought-provoking topics and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's me. So I'm, I'm all kind of, I don't know. I want to hear more. That's probably something that I haven't really indulged myself into. I, I, I wish I could just sometimes just talk you know and see what comes out of my mouth <laughs> we we need to do like a once a week episode with sally then <laughs> or like once every couple episodes we just check in with sally yeah let's do that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a talker so i don't you know yeah well, I'm but hearing, anyway. what i'm hearing you say this sally your key is like you're you kind of got how you want to show up in the world like you're you know you know what's important to you and that could show up as a as a mother as a wife or as a runner right so in that way yes. you're not trying to be fit into this and fit into that and fit into the other thing which it sounds really hard you're showing up as yourself and how you want to show up and they're kind of allowing you to kind of or extensions of that that kind of allow you to be that does that make sense yes thank you that's so good. Thank you. Because I feel like you just put everything that I just, I just spent like five minutes trying to describe like a sentence. <laughs> that was really nice. I think that's, um, yeah, that's, I can't even add anything into that. You've done it. Good job, bro. <laughs> I'm glad I could be of service to this conversation. <laughs> Your greatness. No, uh, that, that would be a great quote to have. Um, in, in our show notes I'm gonna I'm gonna have that linked in there <laughs> all right all right Sally thank you so much this has been so amazing um please come back on and keep us posted on your deep thoughts and your life yeah. your 
cool life. <laughs> and so quick before we leave, can you tell us, Sally, you said you're back training. What is next? Although I know it's uncertain. And how can people find out more about Sally as far as social media or a website or anything like that? All right. So um, I am back training. I'm just at the beginning of um, my training. And so I know that, like the future is really uncertain right now. We don't really know what's well. We know that the Olympics are 2021. <laughs> and and uh, but I, I think um, just really trying to get past this and trying this and trying to get back to shape and um, trying to walk on those weaknesses and trying to fill in the gaps that are there just before before the next cycle so whenever that cycle is could be this fall it could be as early as the summer I don't know but I'm trying to uh, be on top of my game and just try to be faithful with it and stick with it and um, and see what comes up you know whatever the opportunity presents itself I hope that I will be ready for that whenever that is um, for now the most important thing is obviously to um, for everyone to be safe and and I think for everyone to be healthy and to stay safe and, and all that good stuff so I think that is the most important thing we want to be healthy and well um and so um so that's that's for that I I I am you can follow me on Instagram at Sally Kipiego um I think same on Twitter um I should do more probably in sharing my journey but I tend to um I tend to to hibernate a bit, um, especially when I have something to really put my head into. I, I kind of forget some things and I go away and I'm like, uh oh, it's been three weeks. Three weeks. I need to say something. Um, <laughs> so right. so that's that's me. Um, yeah. So I think for now we're just I'm keeping an eye on how things unfold, but obviously trying to stay safe and trying to be mindful and thoughtful and and praying for people that are struggling and not having all the privileges that we are enjoying and uh, and so um i will be back in the to the back to the u.s um as soon as i'm we're allowed to travel again um i think right now there are no flights there are no international flights out of kenya so okay um so i'm gonna wait until um, yeah and then how much time do you spend like are you kind of half and half like you go back and forth for race seasons and things like that or I go, I go back and forth, but I spend I spend the fall in, in Eugene and I spend the summer a little bit of the summer uh, in Eugene. But I'm, I've been spending more time in Kenya the last two years or so. But I do go back for maybe a month or two in Eugene and then come back to Kenya for several other months and then go back for another two months or so. Um, so back and forth. But when I get the next chance, probably, um, hopefully I can run some summer races. And so um, planning on coming back to the U.S. as soon as I can <laughs> and to try to get in some, some races if that is possible. If not, we'll adjust and see what happens. Yeah. And is Mark Rowland still your coach out of the Oregon Track Project? Or, yes, yeah. I am still coached by Mark on at the Oregon Child Club yes great great brilliant um okay well I don't want to keep you too long Molly is there other questions you want to ask there I I just feel like we're taking um, time. well we obviously could talk for another hour but I will <laughs> let Sally get um back to her <laughs> evening routine there in Kenya and we hope to see you back in the U.S. soon I hope to see you at one of those road races um but thank you for giving us your hour tonight and thanks for chatting with us Thank well, you. thank you for having me. This was a wonderful um, chat. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, keep Sally. Chatting, keep chatting. Keep chatting, keep chatting. One time, one time. Yeah, yeah.
shout-outs to What Cheer Writers Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks, guys. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.